welcome once again, everyone. We're back for HR Learning Podcast. I'm joined with my co-host, co-founder, Fahad Kalaf. Fahad? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's nice seeing you again. Yes, seeing you through the ear channel, shall we say, in the podcast world. And uh, exactly. we're, 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 as we try to do, we get our learning seminar presentation mentors to do a podcast before their sessions on Tuesdays. And we're really lucky to have us join from the East Coast of the United States, Dr. Anna Tavis. Hi, Dr. Anna. Hi. Welcome, everybody. And- yeah, thank you so much for making time for us here. And uh, as people know who listen to our podcast, this is sort of the unscripted part, the get to know you and maybe talk about things that might not be part of the more formal presentation that would occur on Tuesday. But um, uh, for those of who may not know you, Dr. Anna, and I know you've been in our part of the world here in the UAE several times and NYU has a wonderful campus in Abu Dhabi. Maybe just a brief introduction to our audience. Thank you. Um, I am currently the department chair for human capital management at New York University based in New York City. And uh, we uh, look after three different um, sort of tracks, three different masters um, programs in HR, the a regular master that what we call the classic master's degree. We have a people analytics and technology degree that is a STEM designated, very quantitatively oriented um, HR degree. And then this year we launched uh, very successfully executive coaching organizational consulting degree. And I see, uh, oversee all of that. I, I look after about 60 different faculty all working in the areas of um, HR, different functions in HR, concentrations, et cetera. And we are on a trajectory to build um, a very robust teaching research center um, um, dedicated to shaping the future work from the educational perspective. That's amazing. And it just, you know, hearing the, the names of the programs that you're introducing, it really, for anyone who stays on top of HR and human capital, um, we, it's self-evident to me that that you and your school are really on top of things. But so we're really lucky to have you with us today. And just maybe before we get into some of the discussion, let's take a short break. Wow. I learned a lot as a mentor. Say, make us think. Um, that they said it was other than because you're in the webinars. That way you spread. What's really interesting. When we started this program, the tagline for this was Okay, everyone, we're back with Dr. Anna Tavis joining us from the United States East Coast, where I believe the weather is a bit cooler than it might be where Fahad and I are located right now in Dubai. And we're talking about human capital and HR, and we're talking about the times that we're in. And, you know, we've had different guests, Dr. Anna, talking about different areas of their expertise. And I think one of the directions I might want to go with you is sort of you know, wherever we are in this COVID world, this 2020 that will go down in history, I'm guessing there's some lessons to be learned as it relates to the world of work. So in in maybe in no particular order, we would love to have, you know, share some of your wisdom about what are some of the takeaways, you know, in the middle of the storm that we can perhaps, you know, either take advantage of or perhaps be more prepared for the new normal. What are your thoughts on that? 
Okay, great question. I think we're all trying to get our heads around what does it all mean to us, specifically for me as well from the professional perspective. And I want to start with the very good news. I, I do think um, that um, it's, a, it's a moment of truth, I would call, uh, call it for HR, because all of a sudden HR have been thrust in the center of um, organizational strategy. Um, of course, there's an, an economic impact of this pandemic. There are all sorts of global shock waves that went through uh, the entire global economy. But at the same time, it, in the core of it, this is a humanitarian crisis. And, and any company, it doesn't matter how pragmatic they are, how tactical they are, and how fast or slow they want to grow, they need to focus on their people. And there's never been such a moment in, uh, in previous crisis that to this extent shines the light on the critical role that companies need to um, you know, pay attention to that people play. And I think it's also uh, was a, 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 a litmus test in, the, um, in some ways a, um, um, a, a, a moment again, a moment of truth for companies to really um, test their culture, to test their commitments and all of those big you know, visions and mission statements that are on companies' walls. So, so what happened there, I believe, and obviously being in the US that is the epicenter of the epidemic right now, we can see it is uh, how companies differentiate themselves in, um, in the resilience of their culture. You know, this is something that NHR we've been trying to make a case for and trying to come up with all the bells and whistles of the ROIs. Remember how hard we worked on show the ROI on people in the organization. And it, I think this is the moment that, you know, nature itself, it, you know, has made a case for us that if you don't take care of the people, that people really are the future of any business you're in. You know, if you don't pay attention to your people, nothing is going to happen. Your business is not going to be recovering as fast as you want it to be recovering or, or, even, or even surviving uh, for some of the industries. So I think that is really the case. So the second, um, uh, the second thought that comes from it, now we've been shown the light, shown the way, we've been put on the stage, can we actually live up to this opportunity? Can HR rally uh, to the challenge and, and meet the momentum and, and be that very decisive strategic partner to the rest of the business to be able to help their organizations move or it's not necessarily business, it's also governments and other types of organizations and really move the dial on you know, helping those organizations, you know, care for their people, um, you know, provide all the important tools for their people to continue to produce, and then, you know, really guarantee to a certain extent the security and the future for the majority of their people so that they keep, um, you know, motivated and committed and loyal to their businesses to allow for those businesses then to gain the momentum and grow. So, so again, it's the um, opportunity for HR that kind of by accident fell in, into our lap 
unfortunate crisis, but as this often quoted um, Chinese proverb that said that every crisis is, is a, also an opportunity, that's the opportunity right. for us. Then we have to be doing what you, Brad, uh, what you are doing, uh, and that is learning, uh, skilling up, understanding what's needed for us, stepping in and providing the business with those, um, you know, the, with those human tools. And then on the um, back end of it, the kind of the third, uh, I, uh, the third idea that I want to share is about how do we use the learnings from this moment to really reemerge on the other end of the pandemic, of this global crisis, and rebuild our organizations for resilience, for um, you know, for growth, for um, you know, continuity, innovation, all the good things with people in mind, with the center, with the center on people's well-being, on human um, you know, happiness in a sense. Everything again that we've been trying to make a case for, but in different um, global and in different economic conditions, uh, that was a lot more challenging than uh, what we are experiencing now. So this well, is no moment. Yeah, it is, and I, I love your example. I mean, I, I was actually doing a class yesterday for AUB in Beirut remotely, and was talking about different crises and to you know, to your point, it was, I was saying, this is the first crisis in my lifetime that is universal. I remember I was in the dot-coms in early 2000, but that was very narrow. I was in the property crisis in 2008, working here in Dubai for a large property developer. It was very narrow, but this is truly universal. And to add to your point, you know, the people element of it is universal. So maybe if we can dive a bit deeper into that, you know, what, what, you know, it's very hard to project in the middle of the storm, but what are some of the takeaways that you are sensing, you know, as we hopefully, as we say in this region, inshallah, and hopefully are coming out of this? Yeah, I think, I think we've learned a lot what actually makes people tick. If you remember all those big debates about performance management and how we can <laughs> set up design our processes, et cetera, I think we're learning. We're learning to put the premium, and I think business in every aspect of it, put the premium on um, people's connection. I think what we've uh, really hugely underestimated before, um, and all of our tools and processes have been designed around kind of unit of measure, single individual. And we looked at people as kind of units by themselves and measured what, how they performed our whole, if you think of tools that HR operates with, it's all about one person, even if we talk about teams, but our reward systems, our measurement systems, our employment systems are all designed around one individual and kind of moving around. Um, and, uh, and that's how people are being, um, you know, being evaluated. And I think what we've realized that there's a lot that's flowing through the cracks. I think what we've mm -hmm. learned is exactly what we are missing now. Now that we are all tiles in the screen, we realize the importance of the connections, the importance of networks, the importance of in, informal collaboration, because when some of the surveys that I've reviewed um, about what people miss most 
and it turns out it's it's the camaraderie it's the uh, office culture where you know the kind of even the social aspect of work that turns out to be you know one of the biggest motivators one of the biggest um sources for innovation etc and um, and i think we will need to be again re-emerging thinking ahead uh, re-evaluating the importance of people being together in one space and 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 i think this is going to be a domino effect through how we design our offices how we design our work day what part of our week is going to be in focused individual work and how we can build in those moments of connection with others and and we're going to see different values different assets generated in these different social environments but i think a lot is going to be and that's a whole new conversation that we can engage in uh, is going to depend on us the hr professional helping our businesses design those environments in which the best of human humankind the best of employees is going to come out um, and i think we some of the knowledge we gained will come out of this difficult time yeah uh, i totally agree with that Anna. and and i do have uh, a question or basically uh, I'm, I'm kind of confused every crisis is a crisis at the end of the day regardless if it's financial or it's a biological crisis or whatever why for example in 2008 we do have a crisis uh, and this year we had we have a crisis why we are only focusing right now on the human aspects and people connection people emotions where in 2008 and in the beginning of the dot com crisis and so on there was no huge focus on the human aspects or the people aspects we say what is really different right now from here the crisis is crisis. People has to be always the first priority. So why do we need such a these crisis just to think about the people, uh, and we never thought about them in the same way in the previous crisis? What yeah, I think it's a very good question, and I think it also, to a certain extent, Brad answered some of that. It was a very narrow, almost tunnel vision mindset. We came out of a very, um, a, a very a, a shareholder and profit generating type of um, culture in, 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 the, in the economy. And, and the expectation was that, you know, and I actually, I, I was working for AIG of all places um, at the time of the financial crisis, just like Brad, you found yourself in real estate, I found myself on financial, in financial services. Um, and, um, and, you know, the idea was that people, you know, the, the philosophies that people can just go out and get another job or people can, you know, and, and, you know, and you saw those Starbucks full with people with their computers doing their resumes, et cetera. There were many, many more places to go. Um, when you have a pandemic and when the lifeline to this, you know, to, to the connection, to the growth, to survival, that human connection is broken. When, when you sit at home and, and you can't really meet with people to um, create opportunities for yourself, let's put it that way. You know, that's why it is life and death situation. So it's, um, 
it's I can I think it's the ultimate challenge to society, and it's much 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 bigger, much much bigger than just one industry or even a cluster of industries that we've experienced before. Um, I think the only precedent, as I understand it, and obviously all of a sudden we all got interested in history, um, was in the early, uh, about the same time uh, in the uh, 20th century, when there was a combination of war, pandemic, and economic, um, e economic crisis. And, um, and, and obviously there are some people who actually have lived through that pandemic as well, very few. Um, but I think this is what we are, what we are seeing is um, a really unique in its proportions. It's like comparing, comparing a hurricane to a, um, you know, tsunami, you know, like a, just a tiny little tur uh, tornado in one part of the world to a tsunami uh -huh. that is engulfing uh, all of the, all of the continents. Yeah, it's, I, it's fascinating sort of, you know, how when you look at, I look at my own experiences through the previous crisis and how it's prepared me for this crisis and how some things are similar, how some things are different. But I think as an HR person, one thing that I really feel, and I think you alluded to it earlier, that is different this time is as we go back, there's going to be a recalibration from many different stakeholders, from yeah. organizations in terms of, 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 wow, you know, we look at our P&L and actually not having office space and not having some of these expenses were to our advantage. And then you have other entities that, you know, are focusing more on the innovation, the creative side without, that took a hit because of the, as you allude to, the lack of face-to-face -face randomness of, of serendipity. I know, I think it's this month's Harvard Business Review, the cover is talking about, you know, work from anywhere, right, as, you know, the future. And I think to some extent, my, my career has followed that path, but I'm an outlier by many respects. But I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of that context of the world of work. Are we moving to a world that will really be work from anywhere? Or you know, are we just gonna slip back into how things were before over a period of time? Okay, so I actually wrote a couple of things on this one and my latest and in this column that I write um, for executive networks um, is about um, how the cities are going to continue to be the centers of sort of civilization and the madness for talent. But there are multiple aspects of what you are describing. Um, there are, it, it, it's a debate that's going on. I personally think that, you know, it's a pendulum type of discussion mm. on the one hand if you remember with agile everyone moved in and it was supposed to be these creative spaces and companies invested in uh, big campuses and kind of you know re remember these um, big tech companies in silicon valley with all of the amenities with the food with the chefs with uh, daycare with the pet care and it's almost like a bring your uh, office, uh, bring your home to uh, to the office, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're swinging all the way back, you know, saying, you know, we don't need those offices. Everyone's going to work from home. I think that it's going to be uh, uh, a blend, and this is why my um, I, I think 
it is not going to be one size fits all. Every business will have to decide and design their own rhythm, their own uh, pattern. Um, and, um, you know, to, to your point, work from anywhere depends on the type of work you are doing. You know, I think there will be types of work when it's good to isolate yourself and, and, and be working from home and do all of these things and the convenience of your home. On the other hand, there are lots of situations where it's much better to you, for you to be around people. Um, and, and there are different challenges along the way. And, and the data are actually not supporting isolation from home. The data is saying that, you know, people, it, it, in some of the surveys I've seen, only a small minority, only about 12% of the population of all of the people who are currently working from home are saying that they want to continue to be fully at home. The majority of people are saying, we're gonna have one or two days at home and that will be kind of the nirvana, but the rest of it is gonna be, and about 40 plus percent, at least of the US population are saying they want to go back to the office full time. So the majority between the people who, are, who want to have one or two days at home and five days at home, you pull them together. 70% of people who are currently working from home are saying they want to go back, even with a the commute. There's been a few other things that um, you know, came up, like the challenges, the three challenges, I think, um, of working from home. And the three challenges are the uh, fridge, TV, and the bed. You know, you have those three yeah. challenges. Um, yeah. So there are, you know, there are different setups and, and, and like, you know, like you don't wear shoes anymore. You know, you don't care about what kind of shoes you wear or pants for that matter, right? Um, so, so a lot, there's a lot of nostalgia. And so the other thing is, you know, the big question about whether the cities are going to survive. You know, and I wrote an article just published on LinkedIn, an article about that. And, and the data are not supporting that. You know, we all know, I think you both live in the city. You know, you know why you are in the city and why you don't want to be in the middle of the desert in your context, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it attracts a certain type of individual, but, uh, but again, this is all for social reasons. So I think we're going to see diversification, but we are going to continue on the path of much greater concentrations of people living together um, for various reasons. And, um, and I personally, myself being a city person, maybe I'm a little biased in that sense, uh, but I do think that the pros of being with people against you know, being totally isolated, um, those two extremes, um, uh, are still on the side of the social than mm -hmm. being alone. And, and we will see, every company will have to decide. And obviously these tools are making, breaking through some of those boundaries, making it easier, but it's not going to be a very simple decision that companies are going to make. Well, I, you know, I was, again, in my class that I did yesterday, one of the things that I, I, I caught myself, you know, reflecting upon was, how much I 
uh, was able in my previous roles to be very fluid in going into different organizations and how important that was to my own self-development. So it wasn't so much the organization I was working with. It was the roles that enabled me to go into different types of industries, businesses, travel around the world and see things to keep me growing in my own self-development that I'm, I'm, I'm missing out. But I, I, I couldn't help but smile a bit earlier when you said sort of, uh, you know, Fahad and I living in the city, because it's funny where I live right now, when I first moved to Dubai, this was the desert. <laughs> I, I remember hey, hey, riding hey, hey, hey. my my bicycle by where I live right now, and it was you know thirty minutes in each direction before there was development. And now where I live, I'm I'm in the middle of what will be a a two hundred thousand population sort of mini city. So, um, question I had too, thinking about your role, especially in terms of. Uh, know, being a professor and, and working at the university is what kind of advice are you giving your students right now? Because I can only imagine right now being a student in the middle of this vortex and, you know, perhaps thinking when I signed up, you know, I was going in a direction I thought was, and, and we talk about how much the world changes between the time someone say perhaps starts a four-year bachelor's and, and exits after four or five years well, what about now? You know, so what advice are you giving your students in, in the human capital space? Um, you know, it's really interesting. We didn't see any decrease in applications. In fact, I'm sure, there are I'm more sure. students. We, we, we are pretty consistent. Uh, I, I'm not saying about the entire university. I think there are parts of this, certain schools that uh, see fewer students, but um, but we're, we, we think that this is the best time um, to really work on your skills, you know. Um, this is the time, you know, to connect with people um, professionally, um, to, um, to be learning in every possible way, because when the time comes and uh, there will be a lot more distractions, as you know, including travel, including entertainment, other than Netflix, um, you know, there will be and social life and cafes and restaurants again and whatever we're doing, malls, um, you know, all of that gets in the way. So I'm, I'm finding my students are very focused. They're very um, determined. Um, they're optimistic, interestingly enough, which is, which is what, you know, continuous learning gives you, gives you um, this hope. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's much better for your even mental health to be uh, really, really busy learning yes. to then be ready for the time when we are re-emerging out of this crisis and you'll be ready in the front lines. You'll be the most desirable, you know, uh, potential, you know, talent to recruit. And uh, one more thing to that is that the recruitment actually is going on. I see people getting yep. jobs. Even yep, they've never seen people in, in life, but they're getting jobs. They're getting jobs in technology and analytics. And these are exactly the people who we are preparing for the next economy. So um, there is a dynamism out there and there, there are always opportunities. And that's what my advice will be to people. If you have a spare minute, just learn something new. Fair, very fair. 
Yeah, uh, before I know uh, this could be my last question before ending the podcast. We know you, you have uh, some strength in the timing. So I'm going to make it so easy. Uh, we know that Google uh, or the internet is overwhelmed with information and everyone is telling you to learn specific skills or basically every skills. But how can we define what are the necessary skills that we need? How can we overcome this overwhelm that's available on the internet? Uh, especially during the crisis with its overwhelmed webinars also at the same time. Yeah, I totally agree. There's just so much out there. And again, you know, I think, you know, one of the staples and maybe one of the most ancient ways of, you know, charting your career in life is uh, getting a mentor um, and joining certain communities whom you trust. I think, Again, I would not just go with uh, some, um, you know, what the internet is offering. You obviously can browse around and, and play around with different things. But um, I think what is valued most, and that's what we're trying to emphasize in our education, is the mentorship that the, um, our, our um, professors, people who are experienced in the, in the field, like Brad yourself, you know, reaching out, I'm seeing a lot of people reaching out even through like LinkedIn and asking those types of questions. So I would say, trust the people, find the people, find your guru, find the person who you follow on social media, et cetera, and see what they're doing and see if this is something that you appeals to you, if, if they can role model for you what you want to be and, and engage in these conversations. And what I find also an advantage of this type of situation wherein people are very generous. You know, I've been, normally I will be running around and very busy, but most of the time if people reach out to me and say, you know, can I have, you know, uh, 30 minutes of your time to talk about something. Um, I always, I always give this time to person, to people who are, who are, truly exploring, not to the vendors who want to sell me something, because that happens mm -hmm. all the time. But, but mm -hmm. just people are saying, you know, I really see what you're doing. And I'm wondering if I could take a few minutes of your time and talk about what's going on in the profession. And there's nothing more, this 30 minutes of investment can change people's lives. That's what I see. So back to where we started, it's about human connections. And let's right. use these technologies to shorten the distance, to break through the time zones, and to really build that resistance and reemerge on the better side of this crisis. Well, it's such a wonderful thought to sort of close things on. And you also got me thinking about a conference I did about a month ago where one of the CHROs was mentioning, and they have a fairly large workforce, that this challenging time is allowing them to find talent in their own organization in a way that they never thought possible because, you know, sort of all these classical barriers are gone. And it's really about people with their attitudes, their passions, their desire, their self-motivation who are, have never had a better opportunity to, to stick their head up and, and add value. So um, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. So we're, we are sort of at our, our 30 minute capstone. And uh, I want to thank you uh, on behalf of Fahad and myself for taking time out. I want to thank you uh, in advance for 
donating your time to our webinar series on Tuesday. And I want to encourage uh, anyone who's listening now to, to follow Dr. Anna. She's um, a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, there's, there's um, in the ecosystem that I've been involved in, I'm a practitioner and I, I personally just love the academics with the practitioner balance. And I think Dr. Anna, you're one of those people who really can expedite sort of wisdom in a very practical way and insightful way. So again, thank you for your time today. And we look forward to Tuesday evening, our time with you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, uh, to Tuesday. Thank you. Sure. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.